Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Howdy, junkie. Welcome to Slay, episode number 12. You guys remember back in the day when I used to say this show contains lots and lots of violence? Well, we are at that point now with Slay. Both this episode and probably a couple future episodes, things are going to get a little nuts. A real girl herself and I are traveling this week, so I am keeping things short. Don't forget the upcoming April 1st Sigler Ascension Day sale at scottsigler.com. If you're signed up for our SMS text list and or our email list, you will get a 10% coupon. Good for anything and everything at our new store. So text SIGTEXT to 855 855- 955-5095. That's one word, S-I-G-T-E-X-T, to 855-955-5095. And or subscribe to the newsletter at scottsigler.com slash subscribe. We will get that coupon out to you before April 1st, and you will be the first to grab our new merch. Time for me to go pack, everybody. Let me get you caught up in the story so far. And then we're all going to go fool April. Previously on Slay. In an effort to find out why he was seeing monsters and magic, Billy Littleby Middleton sought out the Nerp Perp, apparently a dealer of magical drugs, to get some answers. Along the way, Billy was beat up by the Rolling Outlaws gang. They found out about the drug deal Billy had set up for Dante Oganov, and they demanded a cut of Billy's action. Big Hack, one of the gang members, followed Billy to the Nerp Perp's alley and heard Billy offer the Perp 10K, which happens to be all the money that Billy has. For info about Nerple and the supernatural strangeness Billy has experienced since his one and only hit of the stuff. Meanwhile, Ariella Goldsmith is bringing contractors to fix up the old stone church. Contractors mean spending money and lots of it. Money that Lincoln... Magda and Ariella do not have. Ariella found a bounty that would bring in cash, and Lincoln recognized the target as the unnamed kid he let escape his lethal raid of Oganov's deal. With much-needed moolah on the line, Lincoln sent Shitbird out to track Little B down. Billy fell face-first into a pile of trash bags. One of them split smearing something across his cheek. Rotten tomato, maybe? You stay down there, little bee, Big Hack said. In the trash, where you belong. Billy coughed, rubbed his throat as he sat up. His face hurt. His head hurt. Everything hurt. Big Hack pointed at the Nerp Perp. And you, Cheech and Chong, you stay put until we get to know each other a little better. You got it? The Nerp Perp nodded. I got it, man. Far out, man. Satisfied, Big Hack turned back to Billy. If you got 10 G's, then Butch needs his cut, Big Hack said. So cough it up. Billy had been willing to give up that money if the Perp would tell him what the hell was going on. Billy still needed to know, but getting out of the sally without another beatdown was a far more pressing matter. 
He could fast talk, big hack. Billy just had to stay cool and use the one weapon he'd been born with, his mouth. Now, I don't got it on me. Billy patted his front pockets. You know how this neighborhood is. I'm little. I get scared easy. I got it stashed away. At your grandma's? Billy let out a dismissive hiss. Tss, grandma's? You know she cleans, right? All the time. Probably got OCD. Sometimes she counts the grains of sand in an hourglass. No joke. Straight talk, big hack. I couldn't hide nothing in her place. Nothing. No, no, no. It's somewhere safe. Big Hack glanced at the perp, then back to Billy. And you, you was talking all kinds of monsters and shit, Hack said. What's that all about, Lil B? You tripping right now? As big and mean as Big Hack looked, and he was big and mean, there was fear in his face. Billy vaguely recalled that Hack didn't like horror movies, and he thought ghosts were real. Billy might have mocked that belief once, but not anymore. It's this drug called Nurple, Billy said. I had to take it during that deal. I didn't want to take it. I had to take it. You know me, big hack. I never take anything, right? It makes you see monsters. Like, real-life monsters. The two I saw wore tracksuits. Crazy shit. And then there's all these magic signs, and BK takes it raw in his flame broiler, and there's this mailbox, and man, shut up, man. The perp hissed those words out more than he spoke them. Behind his wire-rimmed glasses, eyes were wide with urgency. Was he afraid Butch might want in on this back-alley bodega? Well, that was his problem. You shut up, Billy said. I didn't ask for any of this crazy shit. I'm seeing ogres and goblins and magic graffiti, and I messed up doing that deal, okay? I messed up. Big hack, I am telling you there is this magic drug called Nurple. Like a purple nurple, which is a drink. I know it sounds disgusting, man. I wouldn't drink it. And this guy here, he's the nerp perp, and he deals it. The drug, not the drink. And Dante, that's the goblin that set up the coke deal. Only I didn't know he was a goblin when he called. I mean, he didn't call. Joe did. You remember Joe from back in school? Joe called me to set up the deal, and I shouldn't have done it. The drug game ain't my business, Big Hack. You feel me? Big Hack stared down. Goblins, he said. Ogres. Magic. Drugs have fucked you up, Lil B. Hack didn't believe his own tough words. Magic is everywhere! Billy pointed out the alley. And that talking mailbox with the, the fat lips? Did you see that mailbox out there? Big Hack's expression hardened. If monsters were a maybe for him, a talking mailbox was a firm no way. That put him back on familiar ground. You stop running your mouth, Lil B. Your verbal diarrhea won't work on me. Billy's head hammered. And this thug wanted to try and drop four-syllable words. Verbal diarrhea? You big dumb bitch! You can't even spell di- Big Hack's foot snapped out quick, slammed into the side of Billy's head, knocking him back down to the garbage. Billy's face landed on something greasy. Chicken guts, maybe? The world whirled around him as he teetered on unconsciousness. In the climate-ravaged world of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven. Pura is a geoengineered paradise that protects its fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. 
in a time when the world outside is unsafe. It's vital for Piura's existence that people rally behind the purpose of the city, and Demetria Lopez, head of the city's public relations, tirelessly promotes its idyllic image. But when she stumbles on a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Piura's existence, she must decide who and what she's willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Ray Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts. Crackers. Crackers. Fucking crackers. Shitbird had to find that man. She didn't know what a bag was, exactly, but she knew that two bags was more than one, and two meant Lincoln had so, so many crackers. Shitbird sailed over the Russian restaurant. The place smelled good. Shitbird wondered what might be in that dumpster behind it. Maybe crackers. Maybe not. Probably not. But maybe some meat. A half-rotted mouse, maybe. All aged up and just right for swallowing. If she saw the man that Lincoln was hunting, she would recognize him. The sketch had been close enough that she remembered that man from the warehouse. She'd gotten crackers for that work. And those had been some delicious crackers. If she didn't see the man directly, she might be able to sense him. She could do that after she laid eyes on someone. Not all the time, though. I mean, if it worked all the time, she wondered how many crackers she might get to eat. So many. So many. Shitbird sensed nothing from the restaurant. She dove down, did a flyby past the front windows. She passed by them in a blur, saw everything inside. Eight men, four women, two children, and one baby sitting at the tables. Two foodbringer people walking around. A woman standing at the counter. None of those people were the one that Lincoln wanted. Maybe the man was in there, maybe not. Shitbird could always come back. The smart play, the cracker play, was to hit the other locations. There was much that Shitbird did not know. She was aware of that. But one thing she did know was that people in that big book that smelled like crackers made from dried-out humans were people that other people wanted to find. Not just Lincoln, 
but lots of other people. People that Lincoln called bounty hunters. If Shitbird didn't find that man first, someone else would, and she wouldn't get any fucking crackers. She shot upward, banking right and tucking her wings to thud past a pigeon. Pigeons were so stupid, she hated them, and soared above the buildings. Time to try the second location, because she wanted those fucking crackers. It was cold as hell out, but Lincoln didn't mind. It was nice to ride in weather like this, to feel the chill air against his face. No one yelling at him out here. No new house guest angling to take over his life. No old roomie pissed at him for just trying to get by. He could sense Shitbird flying high above. Too far away to see, but Lincoln's minor threadwork connected him to the crow, made a slight buzzing pressure in his head that pointed toward Shitbird like a compass needle pointing north. Lincoln wished he had enough weaver talent to cast a crow's eye spell, but that was beyond his abilities, and he wasn't about to let a freelancer get anywhere near Shitbird's aura. His Verge TS motorcycle whirled softly as Lincoln turned onto 4th Street. That was one of the places in Baphomal's big binder of bounties, 4th and Belmont. The crow hadn't lingered around long inside the Russian restaurant. Maybe the kid was in there and Shitbird had missed him. Lincoln knew he might have to circle back and go into the restaurant himself, but for now, he'd rely on the crow's abilities until that option was exhausted. This was a crappy part of town. Did the kid live around here? Looked like the morning shifts were arriving at the various businesses and a few bundled-up people walked dogs for a pre-dawn pee. The neighborhood was waking up. Some, though, had probably been there all night, like that bag lady pushing the shopping cart, or the two tough-looking guys leaning against a Chrysler 300 in the parking lot of a 7-Eleven. Oh, hey, a donut shop, with a magic sign that read, Soul Holes by the Baker's Dozen. Lincoln hadn't had a soul hole in a long while. Maybe he could stop by afterward and get some. Magda loved those. Maybe, but after he dealt with the kid. What a dilemma that kid had turned out to be. A $50,000 bounty was good money. And yet, the kid seemed okay. Caught up in the drug game, maybe. But from his scent, he had never done anything violent and definitely had never killed anyone. Maybe the kid was all mixed up. Maybe he needed money, just like Lincoln did. In the old days, when Lincoln had been with the Bastion, he would have never come after a person who didn't smell of wickedness. In the Maxims, you protected people like that. You didn't hunt them down and put their severed noggin in a rune box so you could get paid. Up ahead, walking on the sidewalk to the left, Two women caught Lincoln's eye. Partially due to their fine posteriors, but mostly because of the broadswords they wore strapped on their backs. God damn it. The Flechette sisters. Were they also looking for the kid? Probably. 50 G's was 50 G's. Casually, oh so casually, Lincoln adjusted his concealment thread work. Better that the Flechette sisters didn't see him 
especially if they are after the same bounty that he was. If they looked his way, hopefully they'd see an aging Hells Angel on a loud-ass Harley, not an ex-Rixator on an electric, quiet Burge TS. Lincoln stopped at a red light. He watched the Flechette sisters for a few seconds, and then he looked around. He spotted a man walking a big, black dog. Something off about both of them. Lincoln focused his energy on seeing through possible concealment, and sure enough, the reality became visible. The man wore six shooters on his thighs, and the dog was actually a muscly lizard wearing a spiked collar, its nose to the ground, trying to pick up a scent. Lincoln didn't know that man, but he knew a bounty hunter when he saw one. The gurgle of a big engine caught Lincoln's attention. He looked over his shoulder, saw a white pickup truck pulling into the 7-Eleven. Streetlights and store signs reflected from its perfectly waxed surface. Extended cab, dooleys. The thing was an ocean liner in automobile form. The truck parked right behind three cars, blocking them in. The passenger side door opened. Two skinny men dressed in black trench coats slid out. Each carried what looked like an iPad or some kind of a tablet. They headed in different directions down the sidewalk, each stopping at the first person they saw. They showed that person the tablet, asked a question Lincoln could not hear. The people looked at the tablet, shook their heads, then moved on. The truck's driver's side door opened. A man stepped out. White cowboy hat, white cowboy boots, a white suit complete with a white vest and white bow tie and the pinkish-brown extended face of a wild boar. Crap. It was Boss Hog, one of the best bounty hunters around. Word was out about the kid and the 50 Gs. When the light turned green, Lincoln turned right to get out of Hog's sight as fast as possible. Simple thread work might fool the Flechette sisters, but Hog was next level. He'd see right through it, and Lincoln did not want to show his hand just yet. Up above, floating through the early morning sky, blazing hells, it was Oleus Oakbeard, another fucking bounty hunter. And if Oleus was up there, his team was on the ground somewhere nearby. This neighborhood was about to get real, real hot. Lincoln drove on trying not to draw attention to himself, sending a sense of urgency out to Shitbird. If the crow did not find that kid fast, Lincoln was going to be out of luck. And out 50 grand. Head spinning, brain blazing with pain, jaw already aching, Billy sat up. My bad, my bad, he said. That one's on me, Big Hack. I admit it. I I shouldn't have shot my mouth off like that. It's the stress talking. I'm so stressed. Billy started to get up. Big Hack cocked a fist. Billy dropped back down. Also my bad. I'm going to sit right here, which is clearly where I should have stayed in the first place. I mean, it's obvious. I should have known better and stayed on the trash, right? I'm telling you, Big Hack, it's the stress. You won't believe what I... A faint rattling sound drifted through the alley, just loud enough to catch Billy's attention. 
like a, a baby's toy, but deeper, slower. A rattle, and with it, a moan. The fuck was that? Billy said. Jerboa's man, Perp said. Stop talking magic. If you talk magic, man, that's how you get... Big Hack turned on Perp sharply. He stared down. Flower power, you shut the fuck up. That's the second time I told you. You don't want to see what happens the third time. Perp stared up with wide eyes. Yeah, man, he nodded. Okay, man. Billy heard the rattling moan again. Quieter, but somehow more disturbing. Perp looked up and around, his eyes wide with dread. Big Hack heard it, too, and it scared him. Lil' B, we've known each other a long time, he said. You really believe in all this magic stuff? Billy pointed out the alley. Out there is a talking mailbox. Big old blowjob lips. You think that's something I would make up? If I wanted to bullshit you, wouldn't I have come up with something that's believable? Why would I make up crazy shit like this, Big Hack? Another rattle came, hard and loud. So suddenly, it made Billy and Big Hack twitch. You hear that? Big Hack looked around the alley. What the fuck was that? Not good, man, the perp said. Not good at all. A slice of darkness stretched up the alley wall as if a setting sun threw a lengthening shadow from some kind of animal. An animal with two huge, pointy ears. I tried to tell you, man, the perp said. Without warning, Big Hack launched a snap kick that caught the perp under the chin, rocking his head back. The perp sagged. I told you, hippie, that you didn't want a third... Hack's voice faded out as another rattle moan hit, much louder than the ones before. Billy saw more shadows slide up the wall, like the shadows of two weirdly shaped rabbits. No, three, no, four. Bummer, man, the perp said. Here come the Jerboas. You have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Superweapon. Every five minutes, a transplant candidate dies while waiting for a compatible heart, liver, or kidney. Imagine a technology that could provide those life-saving transplant organs for a high price, and imagine what a company would do to monopolize that technology. 
on a remote island in Lake Superior. A team of geneticists unlocks this holy grail of medicine by reverse engineering the genomes of all mammals, creating an animal with organs perfectly suitable for human transplantation. They envisioned a docile herd animal, but one team member had another darker vision. This ancestor is anything but docile. The team's work spawns something big, something evil, something very, very hungry. Ancestor is a complete serialized fiction podcast by number one New York Times bestselling novelist Scott Sigler, with all episodes available. Binge the entire story now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.